Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the underground grotto of forbidden knowledge, a former Jedi pushes deeper into its depths. Taking a moment to catch her breath. Ahsoka Tano peers over the bookshelves and cheese wheels that outline the area. Feeling a presence nearby, Ahsoka cautiously steps around the next corner. She immediately catches the gaze of the horn-helmeted dragonborn who stops to consider her. I knew I wasn't lucky enough to be here alone. The dragonborn carefully considers his next words but the brash force user draws her lightsaber in preparation for a fight. And with a... The Dragonborn raises his weapon in one hand, prepares a spell in the other, and this rumble doth commence. It's Fulcrum versus Dovahkiin. It's Snips versus whatever name you choose. It's Ahsoka Tano versus the Dragonborn. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Sicanus. Ray, it is a brand new year. It's a brand new season. Happy 2021. How has your new year been so far? The new year has been uh, made of pure delight. Let's face it, 2020 may be the worst year on record, but in that year, we had season two of Who Would Win, which Ray dominated. That's me using the third person like a baller. And it's a new year, James, so I had to get rid of all the hair. I had to shave my head, and I am ready to to purge season two and be ready for season three. 
First of all, congratulations on season two. It was a great season. Not the greatest year, but who would win had actually a really good season. Um, greatest year of who would that, win history, that's for sure. It was almost as good as season one. And congratulations on that victory. Congratulations on the new, and dare I say it, improved look for Race to Canis. If you could even improve on your previous look, which which you did. This year so far, we're only, what, oh, barely a week in. So far, so good, though. This has been a really good 2021. If it continues... The way it's been going so far, this could be the best year we've ever had. Just putting that out there. Now, Ray, with every new year, you know, we make our New Year's resolutions. The fans want to know, what are some of the New Year's resolutions that Race to Canis has made so far? Oh, I make all kinds of New Year's resolutions. The first is to win 95% of Season three's battles, so that way the reality matches what should actually be. Got it. Okay, so I, I like how uh, people say like you you overestimate what you can do in a year, which seems to be the case. You're going to win 95% of the matches. Minimum. Minimum. Interesting. Okay, well, do you have any other New Year's resolutions rooted in reality or what's going on? I live for this show and nothing else. That's fair. All right, so with our year-end show, I made a statement, and this translated into one of my New Year's resolutions. I said I would get into gaming again. There's been about 15 years of a pause in gaming in my life. People listen, a lot of people listen to the episode. I got emails, DMs, like, well, what game are you going to get into? And the answer is, I don't know. So, Ray, I'm, I'm going to turn this over to you because you're our, our resident video game expert. What are some of the games I should get into? There are th- what, do, what do you think I should jump back into? There are three games that I believe that you should dive into uh, before any others. Now, I'm going to start with a game by Square Enix. It's called Octopath Traveler, and it's a JRPG, and it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Anybody who tries to say games are not art are buffoons, and that game proves it outright end of conversation. The second game I would talk about, you want a good action game. You want something with a thrilling story, something with a great multiplayer. So go with Call of Duty Modern Warfare made in 2019. It is a very exciting military thriller with lots of action. The third game I would tell you to use is a game called Apex Legends, one of the greatest multiplayer games in the history of mankind. And I am not just suggesting these three games because I worked in development on all three of them, even though I did. They're just masterpieces of the art form and a great place to start. Okay, got it. Now, I'm familiar with all those games. They all sound like great suggestions. I was actually going to go start off kind of easy. What do you think if I started playing Minecraft? I'd think you were a 10-year-old child. Luckily, I have two of them at home. Okay, so Minecraft, I'll start from there. I do like Apex Legends, especially, you know, I got to tell you, Ray, you were the one who kind of influenced me over to that side when we did Apex Legends versus, you know, The Expanse. Great episode. Uh, in, our, in, in one of our first episodes of 2020. Okay, I, I think, I want to ask the fans this. What game should I start with? Where should I start my gaming journey? In, in what world? What game? What company? I don't know. I'm an open slate. What game should I play against Race to Canis? Just keep in mind, if I do this, I'm diving full blast into this i'm slightly competitive is what i'm it's saying fair. and to be fair you know i was goofing on you earlier but minecraft is a great game to play with your young kids it's a great bonding experience and highly recommended if family time is something you desire cool all right so we do have a judge that is addictive to our fan base this is someone who is a connoisseur of geek culture like no one else coming back yet again on the who would win show it's comedian improv expert and co-host of Knowing is Half the Podcast and the AE Double Back Podcast, it's Robert Clark Chan. Robert, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thanks for having me, I guess. I don't know. Now I feel bad knowing that I'm addictive. Like, am I, am I like the OxyContin of the podcast world? That's not a good thing. 
That feels bad. I feel bad. Why are you making me feel bad coming in here, James? You know, I'm sorry. It's just that you, you, you know, people say I have the intoxicating mind fog, but you have this this hold over our fan base. You know, when we had our year end show and we said we talked about our favorite judges, your name came up quite a bit on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What do you think it is about you, Robert, that that just kind of connects with our fan base? Well, it wouldn't be my winning smile. It wouldn't be my dashing good looks. I don't know. That's what I've been uh, coasting on all these years. So. It's that ineffable je ne sais quoi, I guess. You do have a lot of the je ne sais quoi. I've said it before. Jan, we've, I have said we've that talked before. about this before. Anybody with a deep voice and jorts belongs on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Rocking case, the jorts. That's I, Robert Clark. I'm glad I, I found my people. <laughs> So, all right. So, so you know, we've we've known of knowing as half the podcast for quite some time. All joking aside, fantastic show that you star on. I believe you're the star of that show. Oh, Gina Galito's on that too. She's also a star of that show, and I think both of you are stars of that show. Yeah. I also really, you know, I'm very interested in the AE Double Back podcast because that's all about a specific wrestling brand. Please tell us about that show. It started out as the WWE recap show, and it just got to the point where. We could not watch Raw anymore. Turns out there's this other show that exists in kind of direct competition to it called AEW Dynamite. So we started watching that. I'll be darned if it didn't turn out to be a much, much better show. So not only did we get to um, live up to our morals by not watching Raw, turns out we enjoyed the process of watching a wrestling show so much more. Yeah, I don't know. If you like wrestling, you should give it a chance. I feel like everybody, many, okay, some people like wrestling as kids, then they fall away from it. And then they come back sometimes. And, you know, uh, there's plenty of people who uh, were fans in the in the 90s. And I feel like it's time to come back. Give it a, give it a look-see. There's some good stuff happening out there. You know, I was watching AEW a little while ago. And I got to tell you, I really enjoy the show. One thing I love is how a lot of submission holds are within the world of pro wrestling. And I love mm -hmm. kind of looking, seeing this new hold and saying, hey, let me try that out and sparring, what <laughs> have you. And, and there was that one wrestler I really wanted to copy his moves and see if I could pull that off in sparring. Who's that guy who uh, wrestles in jeans and running shoes, puts sunglasses on and puts his hands in his pockets? Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, yeah. So I tried to do what Orange Cassidy did. I was sparring. I put on sunglasses, put my hands in my pockets, you know, kind of looked, tried to look really cool. Yeah, it didn't work out so well. Turns out that's not, uh, that doesn't translate. Yeah, it doesn't translate that well to sparring. But, you know, it's an experiment. Uh, you know, and you, you, you got to uh, try. Before there's you know. a whole lot of things in wrestling that I would not recommend you try in any real context in the same way that, I don't know, uh, reciting Shakespearean monologues in the middle of uh, a, a firefight. Probably not a great idea either. It looks great on stage, maybe not so much in real life. You know, I feel like I need you as a uh, life coach, Robert Clark Chan, I'm to available. help guide me to avoid certain disastrous decisions like the one I described. So with that said, <laughs> it's about that time. We are excited about this matchup. We have Ahsoka Tano. We have Dra Dragonborn from Skyrim. We have Race to Canis. We have James Gavin. And by the way, the most important piece of all, we have Robert Clark Chan on the show. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Star Wars, the Jedi who fights the Sith and takes no guff, Ahsoka Tano. And representing the Elder Scrolls V colon Skyrim, the hero who was able to be adventurer only due to his skill at dodging leg-high arrows, the Dragonborn. I love the leg-high arrows. Is, I used to be is, is an adventurer a... like you, James. It's a... 
Okay, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the new and improved official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. So, Ray, what version of Dragonborn uh, are you using for this battle? Well, the Dragonborn really only exists in the Elder Scrolls Skyrim video game, so I'll be using a version of that character. Now, I didn't think it was right to fully max out the entire character given that Ahsoka Tano is still along on her journey with a path still to go. So I decided to choose a more mid-range version of the Dragonborn and not totally cheese you to the moon today because I'm a kind soul. I thought it would be, what's the word I'm looking for? Fair. Ha! <laughs> So I've decided to create a Dragonborn that was competent in all the different aspects of, of the world, but he was really maxed out in three things. Alteration, Conjuration, and Destruction. Yes, I'm going with a magic-based Dragonborn character who can fight a little bit, absolutely, but who is going to be relying on the magic arts today. I didn't hear anything that you said other than you were going to try to be fair, I, and that just completely threw me. Sorry, I'm getting a little nauseous over here. Yeah, okay. You know, there's a few different versions of Ahsoka Tano we've seen. We've seen recently live action on The Mandalorian. We, of course, know her from the animated version uh, from Star Wars Clone Wars. And she's even in a comic book version as well. The great news is they're all the same version. They're all part of the same continuity. So I'll be using the version, the only version of Ahsoka Tano. As long as uh, you're not using any, you know, fan fiction extended universe stuff, I'm perfectly happy because I do understand she has one canonical storyline and it traverses them all. That's fair. Okay, that will be exactly the character I'll be using. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. And rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website on whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new shirts that come up all the time. All the time. In fact, there's a brand new branded Ray is Right t-shirt in the official Who Would Win store. And it just dropped, what, a week and a half ago? This is a thing that everybody's going to want our piece of. Let's celebrate Ray's victory in season two. Me using the third person again, like a boss. Let's celebrate it with the new branded Ray is Right t-shirt only available in the Who Would Win store. Go there. Ray, do you, do you feel there's ever going to be a time where we shouldn't celebrate your victory, your your win for season two? Like, let's say it's 2045. Should we still be celebrating the season two victory of Ray from, uh, you know, who would win? We'll be celebrating it, but not as much maybe as celebrating my wins in seasons three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and every year leading up to 2045. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. 
Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Ray, please give us the details on the Dragonborn. The Dragonborn is the player character in the Elder Scrolls V colon Skyrim, I'll do it again, video game. He or she was created by Bethesda Game Studios under the direction of Todd Howard and was released in 2011. Skyrim, as it's known, is still popular today, boasting remasters and ports to every game system that's come after its release. Skyrim tells the story of the legendary Dragonborn, a mortal born with the power and soul of a dragon, who ventures across the land, taking quests and gaining power enough to ultimately defeat Alduin, a powerful dragon who is prophesized to devour the world. The player can develop the Dragonborn with a host of combat, magical, and world skills to make whatever kind of character that they wish to roleplay as. Fun fact, Bethesda Softworks thought it would be in good cheeky fun to offer free games for life to any parents who gave birth on November 11th, 2011, the day the game released, and name their kid Dovahkiin after the Dragonborn. As the internet would say, challenge accepted, as Megan and Eric Kellermeyer named their child Dovahkiin Tom Kellermeyer, and he was born on November 11th. Bethesda congratulated the couple on the decision while kind of making fun of them at the same time for actually doing it on social media. As of this moment, it does appear that they have kept up their promise and sent the family every Bethesda game for free since then. So happy ending. That is the Dragonborn. I mean, I think that's a fair, uh, that's a good return on your investment. I love it. Right. Naming your kid that and you get everything. I mean, imagine if you were like, you named your kid Batman. And then all of a sudden you had like the riches from these. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. But um, I named my kid Hubert and I got nothing. Uh, yeah. Missed miss, miss the boat on that one, Chan. I may not be a great life coach. 
Just putting that out there. Here are the details for Ahsoka Tano. Now, Ahsoka Tano first appeared in Star Wars The Clone Wars back in 2008 and was created by George Lucas and Dave Filoni. Jedi Master Plo Koon found Ahsoka on the Togruta homeworld while he was on a mission. Sensing that the then three-year-old Togruta native was Force-sensitive, he brought Ahsoka back to the Jedi Temple where she trained as a youngling. When she turned 14, she was granted the rank of the Padawan and became the apprentice to Anakin Skywalker. For three years, she was on the front lines of battle and accompanied Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi on some of the most important missions during the Clone Wars. She learned through first-hand experience to become a very prominent Jedi of the Order. However, Ahsoka is then framed and imprisoned for a deadly explosion and subsequent murder. Although eventually exonerated, she becomes disillusioned with the Jedi Council and leaves the Jedi Order. Anakin Skywalker is also greatly affected by this ordeal, and this begins to shake his trust in the Jedi Council as well. Going forth on her own path, Ahsoka survived Order 66 and became an active part of the Rebellion. After the fall of the Empire, it is revealed that Ahsoka is, for some reason, now searching for Grand Admiral Thrawn. And here's an interesting fact about Ahsoka Tano. Did you know that her headdress celebrates a brutal animal murder? It's true. Like Jedi Master Shakti, Ahsoka wears an intricate headdress atop, I guess, what are called her mantras, otherwise known as a, you know, her head-based sensory organs. And the triangle pieces in the headdress are supposedly made from the teeth of an Akul, a dangerous predator found on the Togruta homeworld where Ahsoka is from. This headpiece could only be worn by those who had slain an Akul themselves. So at some point during her youth, between listening to Yoda's lectures and study sessions at the Jedi Archives, Ahsoka went out and slaughtered a giant carnivorous beast because, you know, that's what you do. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? I guess not. I don't feel real great about this trophy killing, but, I mean, when in Rome, I guess. When in the space Rome. When in uh, long time ago Rome. Long, long ago, far, far away Rome. Sure. You know, I don't think it was really possibly a killing. I think she was doing dental work and just removing two teeth that were troublesome. To the, no, it was actually a brutal murder and of a... Chan, I, I, I yeah. want you to remember your distaste for trophy hunting when you render your decision today. <laughs> and now I have to add in my fear of dentistry to that, too. Jeez. Wow. wow. This is this is not starting out well for you, James. I don't know. Starting I don't, in the hole. feel like that was an unforced error on your part. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a swing and a miss on my part. That's fine. That's fine. We, we're not all fans of dental work, evidently. <laughs> remember to brush your teeth, kids. All right, Ray. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one, I just call basics of the Dragonborn. Now, I said in the opener of the show, we talked about what character that we were looking for. He has the weapons and armor of this type. So he's going to be rocking potentially two-handed weapons, one-handed weapons, one hand and shield, as well as wearing all kinds of powerful Daedra armor. My favorite of the whole crew is the ebony armor. Even though it's not the most powerful, it looks the most BA, quite frankly. Because even though this particular character is not going to be known for the fighting in the hand-to-hand combats, I want it on the record that they are still very competent at using these weapons should they come across and need to. That being said, let's talk a little bit about the other things that the Dragonborn has because this will be a magic-based character. The other thing I want to say is the potions because one of the things that the Dragonborn brings to the table is the ability to use potions during battle, using potions if they're able to get away from the battle. It really doesn't matter. To be fair, a Skyrim character need just open up their inventory and they're able to freeze time and use whatever objects they would like to. That can include potions to heal your stamina, potions to heal your mana, 
or magic, potions to heal your health. Also, he uses venom on any of his weapons, which can cause additional damage when those weapons hit the enemy. Also, there's a potion that makes you go invisible. So this character can go totally invisible for a certain period of time during the battle, and Ahsoka Tano is going to need to feel their presence. But the big thing that a Dragonborn brings to the table is the shouts, because the dragon shouts are the base level BA superpower of the Dragonborn and all Dragonborns across the road. Now, there are a couple different powers I wanted to highlight here in there because there are too many to mention given the time frame. One, the ability to control the weather. The Dragonborn can create a storm around him, which he cannot necessarily control like the character of storm. But still, you when you create rain and lightning strikes, you turn the battlefield into something that's good for you and bad for your opponent. Not just that, there's a disarm shout as well. You know, you're, I'm sure you're going to be bringing up these lightsabers. And when you can just shout and make the lightsabers disappear off the hands, okay, maybe Ahsoka Tano can maybe force them back in again, I guess. But it's still going to create an opening that the Dragonborn can take advantage of. Other ones to talk about, there's Animal Allegiance to bring potentially, I don't know, cute fluffy puppies, wolves, whatever the heck is around the area, and bring them into the battle to fight alongside the Dragonborn, because you're not just fighting the Dragonborn. You're bringing anything that the Dragonborn can summon onto the battlefield as well. Not just that. We also have a Become Ethereal spell or should I say shout, and with the ethereal shout, the dragonborn can completely be immune to all damage and just walk around like a ghost for a certain period of time. So if Ahsoka Tano gets, you know, the Jedi's like to do, they like to fight you, get you down, and hold the lightsaber to your throat, dragonborn can just do a quick shout, go ethereal, and get himself the heck up out of there. But the final shout to bring up, and the most important one, the most iconic one, is Fusro Da, otherwise known as Unrelenting Force. Unrelenting Force is a power shout that essentially force pushes its enemies away from him. And that's objects, characters, absolutely everything. He shouts with a gale force wind that shoves everyone backwards. So if Ahsoka Tano, a very acrobatic character, tries to leave her feet, tries to do this jumpy, flippy stuff up in the air, you do a quick shout, you can blow her completely off of her game and completely knock her. I know when you leave your feet as a fighter, you leave yourself open. Ahsoka Tano does that. And today it might be her downfall. And that is my point number one. Okay, so, Ray, this is interesting to me because, you know, the Dragonborn character, there, there's some layers here. There's a lot that this character can do. Yes. So let me just make sure I understand this a little bit. So the Dragonborn has the power to control weather like Storm, who's an Omega-level mutant like Iceman. So I got that. That's pretty simple. Well, create weather. I think control might be a step too far. Gotcha. But again, you, did, you didn't question that Iceman was an Omega-level mutant. Glad we're on the same page. Uh, he's also, not an Omega-level mutant, obviously. You said when he goes ethereal. When he goes ethereal, that means no one can hit him, but he can't really hit someone back. Is that correct? Correct. It's an escape move. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it gets him out of a bad situation. Correct. It does enable him to hit. Okay. You know, you, you say that he's a capable warrior. Does that mean like he's a good fighter? Is he known for his combat? What, what level of fighter is he? This particular iteration, I assume, did not join the Companions, which is the Fighters Guild of Skyrim, uh, did not become a werewolf, spoiler alert, uh, which could happen along that storyline. And, and I'm just going to put it out there. This character's not a vampire. This character's not a werewolf. I'm trying to go a little bit more pristine and normal Dragonborn, quote unquote normal, like that's even a thing. So I would say this character, if this character hits you with an axe, you're going to feel it. and It's going to hurt. But this character is not necessarily going to be known for those feats. Got it. Okay. And, you know, a couple of things. We were saying when Ahsoka jumps in the air and this character uses, Dragonborn uses like that, that control of the weather to, to blow her back, whatever. You know, I just need to reiterate something. We all know that in Star Wars, once you get the high ground, you pretty much have a guaranteed victory. So, you know, the moment she's up in the air above him, 
or you know, dra- the Dragonborn character, the advantage is hers. And finally, you mentioned something about some type of either shout or spell where time slows down. Oh, yeah, you just press the start button, and then you can just freeze time while you look through your inventory. Okay, so here's the deal. That's part of gameplay. That's like saying, hey, I'm going to change something. In, I'm going to take something out of my inventory and then continue on. That's not really part of the fighting experience of the game. Is that correct? I mean, it's an iconic part of Skyrim, James. The ability to stop time and then drink a bunch of potions. I think we can all agree that in a, okay, maybe that might be a step too far given that this is a neutral location. I guess on the same twist of fate, if the Dragonborn gets killed, I'm not allowed to go back and reload a previous save as well. I suppose you're not going to give me that either. I, I will not. I will not. But I, I like this character. That. Okay, cool. I like this character. I like what you're presenting. There's a lot there, and this is definitely a tough battle. So let me get to my point number one. I'm just going to call this combat experience. So what do you get when you take a Force-sensitive three-year-old, train her in a Jedi temple until she's 14, and then put her in a position of leadership with one of the greatest armies in all of sci-fi? Well, you get the badassery that is Ahsoka Tano. You see, what makes her really interesting to me is that she really has an unheard amount of combat experience uh, by the time she's 17. And actually, take out the fact that she's 17 at the end of Clone Wars and just give someone that combat experience. That's an insane amount of combat experience for any character. Again, then bookend that with the fact that she was 17 at the end of Clone Wars. Now, in terms of lightsaber skills, you got to keep this in mind. She's mastered five different styles to the degree where she actually created her own style as a side effect. And, you know, she pretty much brought the Bruce Lee methodology of Jeet Kune Do uh, into Star Wars by creating a style and discarding what was not useful to her anymore. Uh, That's the level of mastery she has. Very rare for anyone, Jedi, Sith, or anyone else, to be a master of five different styles of lightsaber combat. She's able to overcome opponents. We've seen this all the time in Clone Wars, and I think even a little bit in The Mandalorian. She's able to overcome opponents who are way bigger and way more powerful than her. Now, my favorite example of this, by the way, there's this uh, race of beings called the Trandoshans. And if you remember in The Empire Strikes Back, in that scene where all the bounty hunters there, there's Boba Fett, there's a guy who kind of looks like he's dressed like a mummy, and then there's kind of a lizard-looking person. Well, that character is a Trandoshan. They're the size of Wookiees and actually much stronger. And we saw that in the Clone Wars where Trandoshan, the same size as Chewbacca, actually beat him in a physical confrontation. She's able to take them down very easily. And then actually even the most powerful one, she's able to also take them out. That's thanks to her combat experience more than her force usage or lightsaber skills. Here's another one. There's these group of uh, beings called the Inquisitors. We see them in Star Wars Rebels. Long story short, they're force-sensitive beings former Jedi or Sith, whomever, who go under the tutelage of Darth Vader and go hunting for those Jedi who escaped Order 66. So as she's taking on two at the same time, she beats one. The other one comes at her. She actually drops her lightsaber, closes her eyes, and lets that person come at her. And she catches the lightsaber, disarms it, eyes closed, and then beats her soundly. That's the level of combat experience. Another great example, this happened in the Clone Wars. She's surrounded by four members of what are called the Mandalorian Death Watch. And in one big jumping, taking the high ground, jumping up in the air, swing of her lightsaber, beheads all four of the Mandalorians in one shot. She takes out these things called that are called Magna Guards. Now, Magna Guards are insane killer droids. They're super strong, they're super fast. They're known as Jedi killers. And the very rookie Ahsoka Tano at the time, I believe this is season one of Clone Wars, takes out three of them while she's protecting a little baby hut 
who's like a nephew of Jabba the Hutt or what have you. She fought General Grievous to a draw when she was 14. And none of this includes the major battle campaigns where she personally had to take out hordes of droids to turn the tide of battle. Look, when you think of the dangerous beasts, the droids, the Mandalorian, Sith, and battle she had to fight during the Clone Wars, you kind of realize that you have one of the most experienced combat veterans and ultimate warriors. Yes, I'm invoking the ultimate warrior clause here of the entire... I'm doing it. She's the ultimate warrior of the Star Wars universe, possibly greater, by the way. And we haven't even gotten to their ability to use the Force yet. That's how badass of a character Ahsoka Tano is, and that is my point number one. I mean, there's plenty of, look, she's fought a lot of wars. She's gone to a lot of places. She's beaten up a lot of people. I think her biggest battle and the one that you kind of glossed over is the General Grievous battle, which, James, that's a draw. She got a draw with General Grievous, who was beaten by maybe arguably less powerful Jedis over the course of the Clone Wars and the Rebels and all those other shows. I've seen some lightsaber duels that people have been able to get over on General Grievous. Ahsoka Tano only able to pull the draw. That's cute. That's adorable. Look, Ahsoka Tano, as you said, she's going to leave her feet quite a bit. She leaves herself open to uh, the unrelenting force just like that. I, I really don't have a lot to argue because you brought up a lot of very, very good feats. I would only argue, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, is that maybe the types of people that she's fought all kind of fit under certain boxes and that maybe the Dragonborns fought many, many more wide array of different threats coming with a very, very wide array of power sets. But I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, fair enough. All right, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at right now? What do you think is happening in this fight? Okay, so I'm hearing a lot of really interesting and varied magic stuff going on with the dragonborn a lot of great spells and such like that some stuff you're bringing up animal allegiances like you're allowed to bring in uh uh, outside help, no go. I think. Oh, you, you can hold on, Chad. Now you can absolutely. Now we've established this in, in battles, like the sound wave battle. That no, you cannot just have your friends come and join you on the battlefield according to a who would win battle. But if you have a summoning ability, if if we had Ash Ketchum on this show, <laughs> you'd better believe he could use Pikachu in a battle. And I think that if it's something that is natural to the character, and he could potentially have them come and join a battle through a use of spellcraft or powers, Mr. Chad, I will I will respectfully disagree i think summoning on a battlefield is something we've established on this show a lot and i need it for my point number two here's the thing uh i heard you specifically say puppies and wolves so you know what i'm gonna give you those puppies think about the wolves Uh, (laughs) what kind of monster is ray where he's like i will summon puppies i'm gonna summon puppies to help me in this battle they're getting, I imagine the, a horde of puppies jumping at Ahsoka and she's got lightsabers and she's like, I don't know what these things are. I'm not going to chance it. It's, Ray, what, Ray, what, look, you are a monster. Wow. It's not, it's, first off, it's the morally flexible dragonborn, not me. And secondly, <laughs> it's not that he's summoning these particular creatures. It's that they're around because we're in a living world and he can use that to bring the forest creatures or the creatures of Endor, whatever the heck, heck we're fighting at. He can bring them to fight alongside of him. That is a power that should be much like Ant-Man should be able to use ants. Why not? I believe the Dragonborn can use animals. <laughs> we shall see. I'm going to put I'll that in my puppies. back pocket and we'll think about it. I'm hearing a lot of really strong stuff about Ahsoka Tano and her fighting. I notice you bring up Bruce Lee again as you are wont to do. I hear you I bring up it. the ultimate warrior as if there are ropes to shake. Sir, if there are no shaking ropes, there is no ultimate warrior. Also, just because you uh, master five different styles and make your own style 
doesn't mean that much. I've mastered five different styles of cuisine, but I have an orange chicken spaghetti burrito that is god-awful. God-awful. So <laughs> no points awarded there. I mean, mastery is a, is a, is a general term. It can mean so many different things. I would gladly eat that spaghetti burrito. Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, I would not I recommend it. I'm not going to touch that, actually. I'm not going to touch that. You know, I think Ray would feed that to his puppies that he summons for the battlefield because he doesn't care about them. He's if they show them up and fight alongside me, they deserve an orange chicken burrito. <laughs> for $5 a day, your donation can save <laughs> 50 puppies that Ray puts on the battlefield. Love the <laughs> angel. <laughs> We're not going to get uh, dinged that copyright infringement for that, are we? No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard that song before. It was great though. I lovely singing voice, by the way, Robert Clark Chan. Almost like the it's almost like the Ultimate Warrior singing right there. All right, Ray, we're at that. Go ahead, hit us with point number two. Point number two. I'm gonna basically bring up the fact that through the use of magic and some shouts, the Dragonborn is essentially a Jedi warrior. So let's talk a little bit about the magic of the Dragonborn. But first, there was a point I had to leave out of point number one, and it was about the Dragonborn's shout ability to slow time. The Dragonborn can use one of his dragon shouts, because I ran out of time in point number one, and he can slow time for a certain period of time, but between 30 and 60 seconds, where his enemy is going to move very, very, very slow, and the Dragonborn will be able to take advantage of that. Now, that being said, there are a whole bunch of spells from Alteration, Conjuration, Destruction. Before we even get to them, though, he has some knowledge of some of the basic spells of the other spellbooks. So he can create things such as, well, first off, healing. Healing is a very, very important spell in the world of Skyrim. And all he has to do is hold his hand up in the air, he creates a light ball in his hand, and his health bar comes back, no matter how how many wounds he's taken, how grievous, if he's still alive, my man can heal himself back to full. And that is not something I'm aware that Ahsoka Tano can just do on the fly the way the Dragonborn can. Now, that being said, he could also use it for invisibility, but he's got potions for that. He's also got some cool powers of calm, fear, and frenzy. Now, these are really good suggestive powers that he can use on his enemies to either calm them down and make them stop fighting, big. He can cause the fear in them, cause them to run away, battlefield removal, big. Or even cause frenzy, which causes them to attack friends, foes alike. Anybody who's nearby, if if Ahsoka Tano gets hit by a frenzy, she's going to lose all form of technique and maybe even attack the tree that's next to her instead of the Dragonborn. Big deal. But let's talk about some of the other spells in his repertoire that resemble force powers because he's got telekinesis, the ability to move objects through the air using his mind, force power. He's got strangulation. Strangulation is 100% a force choke type power that allows him to choke the life out of his enemies. The paralyze spell. He can paralyze somebody and knock them down to the ground. It's sounds a lot like what Kylo Ren did in the new trilogy to one of his enemies and just froze them in place so he could do whatever the heck else he wanted. The paralyzed spell works as well. He can detect life. You know how Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, he sensed the planet Alderaan blowing up. If the Ahsoka Tano tries to hide in the shadows like she did during the Mandalorian, all Dragonborn has to do is cast a spell to detect life and she will glow through walls. He will be able to find her and he will be able to defeat her. Not just that. He doesn't need to walk around with weapons on the battlefield because he has ghostly bound weapons that he can summon at any time. And that could be an arrow with a, a bow. That could be an axe. That could be a mace. That could be a sword. And these spectral and glow much like a lightsaber does. So he brings his own version of of a lightsaber to the table. Also, the other things, Ash Rune, he can throw it on a surface, which then, if somebody walks by it, it triggers off and paralyzes them. Great. And he has Dragonhide, which is a wonderful defensive spell, which allows him to take 80% of all damage and 
soak it like nothing even happened to him. So I would say he could even take a couple lightsaber shots, quite frankly, with his armor and the dragon hide on top of it. I think he's durable enough to do it. But the last thing I want to talk about is his ability to conjure familiars onto the battlefield. And that is heroes and named type characters, as well as dragon priests, Frost Atronox, Storm Atronox, Flame Atronox. He can summon golems, fire golems, fire elementals, stone golems. And all of these legendary type characters, horses even, undead even, he can summon all of this different litany of monsters to the battlefield to fight alongside of him. So again, much like the puppies in round one, Dragonborn's also going to be summoning fire elementals and shooting fireballs at Ahsoka Tano during the battle, which means, again, you're not just fighting the Dragonborn, you're bringing his powerful friends to the table, but they're all controlled by him. And that is my point number two. Wow. Okay, hold on. So there's fireballs that he'll be shooting with the puppies right there on the battlefield. Is that correct, Ray? It is entirely possible that either the Dragonborn or one of his summoned characters would use fire, freeze spells, lightning-type spells, force lightning. I didn't even mention that. Sparks. He has force lightning as well. What the heck? I'm just going to keep talking. (laughs) Okay, so all I'm hearing is that puppies are getting on the battlefield, and and if that wasn't bad enough— they're going to be in the way of the fireballs and the lightning. You can your dragonborn can also summon undead horses. Can the puppies at least ride the undead horses? I don't see why not. I mean, look, okay, if they're good. trained riders and they can get on there. I say let them go for miles. I, I just want to make sure they're safe. Okay, so in all seriousness, there are levels to these characters, right? There's a little bit of research I was able to do on Skyrim and, and the dragonborn. There's levels to these characters, and there's low levels, high, mid levels, high levels. The Correct. spells, the shouts. They affect the low-level characters more than the higher-tier levels. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So Ahsoka Tano cannot be considered a low-level character. She's level two, level three, maybe, honestly, if you ask me. If, if, fair enough, if we ask you. Let's see. You, did you mention the, the there was a shout to slow down time? I did mention that, yes. Okay, and that slows down time by 30 to 60 seconds. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, up to 70%, 80%, it slows down your opponent for a certain period of time. Gotcha. So she can move at super speed. So maybe then if she gets slowed down, she's just moving at regular speed. But more importantly, is it just that character that gets slowed down or does everyone, including the Dragonborn, get slowed down as well? That may also be the case. Yes. So he uses Dragonborn does move a little bit faster. Okay, so he also gets slowed down. That's a great. That's don't okay. worry about that, James. Okay, got it. Just trying to figure out the you know, the the, the you character research. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a little research. All right, okay, but it is interesting how there's a lot of commonality between you know force powers and what the Dragonborn can do. Okay, let me get to my point number two. You know what's coming? I'm just gonna call this all about the force. So this is kind of cool. I actually have a major prediction about Ahsoka Tano. You guys ready for this? I think sometime in the near future, Ahsoka will be revealed to be the first ever gray jedi i i really think that's going to happen i think in the next season of mandalorian maybe the book of boba fett whatever it is i think it's going to be revealed so why is that an important part of this battle why is that a thing because here's the thing unlike a jedi or a sith ahsoka has been established as someone who tries to understand both sides of the force she tries to understand the force as a whole so we think of like the jedi having specific force power same thing with the sith well the cool part is because she's neither and she's trying to control the for understand the force as a whole she has access 
to all of the force powers. So let me kind of go over that. So what can she do with the force? Well, she can, again, move at super speed. She can dodge blaster fire. She can even outrun pod racers if she focuses the force of her body the right way. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying she can outrace a pod racer for half an hour, but probably over a kilometer or two kilometers at her peak, she can outrace it, which is actually very, very fast. She moves with Spider-Man agility. Ray, I'm going to use that whenever I want to say someone's really agile. I'm just going to say they can move like Spider-Man because I know that makes you happy. She can use the force to sense danger and move what looks like superhuman reflexes, just like spider Spider-Man. She can take superhuman amounts of damage. Using the force, she can tank everything from stun blasts, being thrown through walls, to falling several stories to the ground, to even tanking explosions. She can use the force to create like a shield in front of her. She can use the force as telekinesis. She can move massive objects, blast powerful opponents back through the air, make them crash through walls, do all these kind of cool things. She can force choke someone. She can force jump super high and super far. And this is one of my favorites. She can use the force to actually increase the power of her strikes, increase the damage she inflicts. You see this in the Clone Wars where she takes on these opponents. I don't think they're Mandalorian, but they had really strong armor and she started punching them and breaking the armor apart. And that was through her focusing the force through her shots. I mentioned she already can use the force choke, but here's my favorite. She can also use force lightning. Again, typically only seen with the Sith. She can also, just like the Dragonborn, she can heal herself. Remember in you know Star Wars Rise of Skywalker where Rey heals that dragon looking creature? Well, Rey has this same thing and she can heal herself in the comic books i believe she does actually use the force to heal herself but we're not done here's a really cool one you know ray quick question what do ahsoka tano and daredevil have in common they are both blind and live in hell's kitchen that's right, Ray. They both use echolocation. So just like the Daredevil, Ahsoka Tano, she has these sensory organs in her top of her head, and they operate like echolocation. But the cool thing is when she uses the Force, she can use super echolocation. So if she ever can't find someone, she has a way to use that to find anyone who's around her. I believe that's how she fought that Inquisitor with her eyes closed, using that super echolocation fueled by the Force. The other cool thing is she can actually transmute objects, you know, almost like alchemy. She was fighting another Inquisitor, and she didn't have any lightsabers. And as she's fighting this Inquisitor who had a red, red lightsaber, she could sense that the kyber crystals were flawed. So she grabbed the lightsaber, used the force, healed the kyber crystals, took away the lightsaber, made new lightsabers of her own, and those turned into her white lightsabers. By the way, they're white because that shows her connection to the Force. She's right now the only person who has white lightsabers in the canon of Star Wars. She can use the Force to, to help her mastery of disarming opponents, plus just a whole other slew of, of, of Force-like superpowers she can call upon. Look, in the end, she's definitely an upper-tier person within Skyrim, and I think the way she uses the Force on both sides of the Force is just something that the Dragonborn will not be prepared for. That's my point number two. The idea that the Dragonborn will not be prepared for a character like Ahsoka Tano is, is ridiculous. He fights characters much more powerful than Ahsoka Tano on the reg every day, quest by quest, mission by mission. I'll be talking about that in my point number three. But the thing I want to talk about here is, you know, you talk about her using echolocation. I don't think that's a great ability against somebody who uses shouting at you as a power. The fact that he's going to be shouting with unrelenting force means that echolocation is just going to get overwhelmed. Now, her ability to heal other people I've seen, her ability to heal herself, how fast 
fast does that take? It's not just something that she raises her hand and three seconds later she's fully healed. It's probably something that she has to focus on. And if she's focusing on healing herself for an extended period of time, I guarantee the Dragonborn is going to be smacking her. That's fair. The, the one thing I will say is that the, the Dragonborn, the, he has an ability or the Dragonborn has an ability to go stealth. Is that correct? The Dragonborn can crouch and be harder to see, yes. Gotcha. That's where the echolocation will come in handy. But it's just a cool thing to have, especially when you're being overrun by uh, fireballs and puppies, and you have to kind of figure out you can't see where the Dragonborn is because there's a monster like Ray focusing those puppies on your attack. The echolocation will help you focus in on your opponent. That's all I have to say about that. Robert Clark Chan, we're at that magical point of the battle called the turning point where you have to tell us who is ahead in this battle, and what does the other side have to do to pull out a victory? Oh, boy. It is it is pretty close. It, it, it feels like uh, the uh, Dragonborn do have uh, the magic over the Force, I think, by a little bit. Sounds like uh, fighting-wise, physically, Ahsoka is doing better than the Dragonborn. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it remains to be seen how strong those those potions are, because it, feel, it seems like... Uh, Video game people tend to have that sort of advantage over uh, other fictional characters just for the purposes of the game. You got to be able to, like, you know, add life again uh, real fast and whatnot. I was a little bit stuck on the things on Ahsoka are echolocation, which means that she has to make noise of some kind. So all I could see after you said that was basically just I, I, I saw Ahsoka Tana as a honker from the Muppets, just like hark, 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 making noises coming out of her tube ear things. And I mean, you called it super echolocation. So a super honker, I guess, uh, may be useful. You may be able to find someone crouched down. Not very intimidating. I'll say that. And also, I did finally figure out why Ray wanted to play to uh, take the uh, Dragonborn because I realize now that of course a character based on shouting would be everything ray ever hoped for in life so this is all making sense and i'm taking it all in and we're gonna see uh how it shakes out in the next round guys sorry i don't know who's ahead i think uh i think we're tied again it says pretty close mm. and i believe it this is a tough one this is a tough one when this matchup was announced i'm like i i don't know about this but you know we've been here before so let, let's move forward go ahead and hit us with your point number three Point number three, I want to talk about some of the variety of opponents and some of the great feats of the Dragonborn because Ahsoka Tano's done a lot of fighting, but as I said before, she fights droids, she fights other Jedi, and she fights kind of rank-and-file stormtroopers. And, and that's pretty good. That's three unique types of things that Ahsoka Tano fights pretty much all the time. Now, the Dragonborn fights so, 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 so much more, coming from so, so, so many other different places. So let me just line up here a list of some of the creatures and whatnot that the Dragonborn fights in his day-to-day -day travels. Because you have, first off, dragons. He's got dragons. Let's just start there. The Monster dragon Alduin has been resurrecting dragons all over the countryside, and the dragonborn will just be walking down the street looking to go get a get a, go to the inn and have a pint of mead and get a rest. When all of a sudden a dragon, the music will start queuing up in the background. You'll start seeing it swoop around the town, and the dragon will land on top of that inn and just start screaming at him. And wait, it's go time. Dragonborn has to be ready to fight giant monsters all the time and he can do it and he gets away with it because he not only kills these dragons he absorbs their souls he fights dragons 
He fights giant mammoths. He fights the giants that roll with the giant mammoths. Now, these giants are about, what, 15, 20 feet tall? And there's a glitch in the game where if the giant slams you down with the club, you go flying about 3,000 miles <laughs> up into the air, and you fall to your death. That is 100% something that he has to be on the wear of, but he defeats the giants as well. He fights werewolves. He fights vampires, not just vampires, master vampires with hordes of vampire thralls and lesser vampires around them. He fights them all together at the same time. He fights the undead. He fights undead Draugr and, and large like Draugr, like dead kings and whatnot that just pop out of coffins and attack him at the end of the dungeon because why not? So he's got to deal with undead on top of everything else, not just that. Dwarven constructs, or Dwamer, I believe, as they're called in the game. But they're essentially mechanical men, droids, if you will, except that they're made by an ancient science that causes them to be much more durable than a lot of other things found in the world of Skyrim. You've also got dragon priests, and dragon priests, in one case, are teamed up with a dragon itself. So he has to fight varieties of things simultaneously. A dragon priest uses very powerful magic, wears those masks that give him additional bonus powers, and come at you with a ferocity that oftentimes I need to save the game. I am not ready for that to fight them. Not just that, though. The main character of Alduin, as far as enemies go, is Alduin. And that's the world eater. That's the dragon that's going to just devour the world. And the dragonborn got a win over that character at the throat of the world, a minor victory, and then defeated it, ultimately going to Sovngarde, which is the Valhalla of the Nords in that game, if I can put it into more general terms. It's the afterlife that the heroes go to. So the Dragonborn at the end of the game in the big climax of the main storyline, at least, goes and fights Alduin in the afterlife and beats the living crap out of him during that fight. But the big fight to bring up as well is the official and unofficial end boss is Mirak. And Mirak is the first dragonborn, the most powerful non-magical creature in the world. And Mirak is known as sort of the big final boss of the entire game and comes at you with shouts, magic, ultimate combat. It's essentially like fighting the version of the dragonborn I'm getting away from, which is max level everything. And if you could pull down a win against Mirak, like my dragonborn has, then I have to believe that you have enough power to defeat Ahsoka Tano. And that's my point number three. So all joking aside, this is a very powerful character. This is a very well accomplished character. Okay, he's fought dragons. That's awesomely impressive. I will say Ahsoka has also fought giant-sized creatures, really big ones as well. You know, I, I see kind of two key weaknesses for the Dragonborn I want to address. The first one, and I don't know if it's a weakness as much as it's just kind of something he has to deal with. When he does a shout, does it take time for him to recover? Like, can he just do shouts nonstop? Or he cannot. He... There's there's a cooldown involved when you do shouts. Got it. So he does a shout of a certain type. There's a cooldown. He has to then recover, and then that's when he can do the shout again. Is that correct? Yes. Got it. Okay, so the cool part is that's not something that really affects Ahsoka the same way because she can use the force one way, still use it another way. So that's the, the endurance factor, if that way I can call it that, kind of favors Ahsoka. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but if even a small fall can damage the Dragonborn, like a six-foot drop technically could inflict some amount of damage on a dragonborn. Is that correct? That is correct. The dragonborn, uh, one of his big weaknesses, if he falls from a great height, he's done for. And he does take small amounts of damage from falling from smaller uh, heights. Got it. So if he falls six feet, it's not a big deal. But if he falls from like 50 feet in the air or something, it's going to be significant. It's going to hurt him more, that's for sure. Okay. Now, when he fought or when, when, when they fought Alduin, did he really do it by himself? I did some research on this. Or did he have some help? 
He had three Nord heroes who had defeated Alduin in previous life cycles in the past. So it's the spirits of them. Now, I will say, having played through that mission, those three people were not a whole heck of a lot of help. I would say the Dragonborn in that final fight has to do about 90% of the damage. So yes, he did have quote-unquote help for that battle, but it's not its not like they did the fighting for him or he really even needed them. Okay, okay, that's fair. Last question and possibly the most important question of the night. How many puppies does it take to beat a master vampire? <laughs> It's going to take a lot. I'm not going to lie. Master vampires are very tough. Thankfully, those little puppies often have a dragon born with them. For $5 a day, you could save, you could buy a coffee in for Ray and try to convince them not to shoot dragon. a puppy in the way of a fireball at a master vampire. Your donation could save. Okay. That's, you're, you're, you're such a monster, right? All right. Okay. Let me go ahead and see if I can counter what you just said with my point number three. I think I can do this. Dragonborn's done a lot of things, has really big feats, really impressive, but it's time to talk about the big fights and the big wins for Ahsoka. So, again, she's been training since she was three. It's interesting. She rose to the rank of commander within what I guess was called the Great Army of the Republic by the time she was 16. And by the time she's 17 and leaves the Jedi Order, going her own path, she actually takes her fighting ability up to another level. So who knows just how powerful she is by the time when we see her again in The Mandalorian. Look, we can all assume that she's fought, battled, and overcome way more powerful opponents than from her days in the Clone Wars and Star Wars, and, or even her days in Star Wars Rebels. But let's kind of look at that for a second. So who has she fought and beaten? So she took out one of the greatest bounty hunters in the galaxy, a character by the name of Cad Bane, one of my favorites from the Clone Wars. And this is the same Cad Bane that was able to successfully take out Anakin Skywalker. Now, she did this in I believe it was two seconds of footage where she just kind of cornered him and just beat him down horribly in two seconds using her aerial attacks again you hit the air in Star Wars you know you got the high ground you've got the superior position in fighting it's just a thing she also took on General Grievous again she did that when she was 14 Ray who were you taking on when you were 14 was there a General oh, I, Grievous I was taking on a lot of homework I'm sorry you lost that battle. But she actually didn't lose the battle against General Grievous. It was actually a draw. But again, she was 14 at the time. She also took on Asajj Ventress, who was trying to be, who was positioned as to be the apprentice of Count Dooku. And she was like a killer, you know, an assassin and, and also a badass character from Star Wars. He, She even took on Count Dooku. And then she even took on, at one time, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. At the same time, of course, her mind was a little bit swayed over to the dark side. It was being controlled. But when you know she had to take him on she did any one person who can actually hold her own against anakin skywalker and obi-wan kenobi is pretty formidable she fought beat and then trapped darth maul when he was possibly at the peak of his power and fighting ability and this happened in season seven of the clone Wars series look here's the deal the fact is if you had to just go out and take someone on and dispatch them and kill them that's hard enough but to actually take them on while they're trying to kill you and stop them and then capture them is a whole other level of expertise. She has a clear win, uh, probably her most impressive win over Darth Maul. That was when she was 17, by the way. In Star Wars Rebels, she fought Darth Vader to a draw and gave him, in my opinion, possibly one of the worst, possibly the second worst injury we've ever seen, where she cut off a chunk of his mask. You know, when he see, we see him leave the Jedi Temple, the Sith Temple they're fighting in, he's limping noticeably. He can't even stand up straight. He's hurt pretty bad. And look, you can't get much better of an opponent than, you know, Darth Vader in Star Wars. Or can we? 
Here's the thing. She even kind of took on Emperor Palpatine. This happened during an episode of Star Wars Rebels. So long story short, Ahsoka Tano's taking on Darth Vader in the Sith Temple. They're both going back and forth. Ahsoka Tano's like, look, we're too evenly matched up. I need to change something. So she destroys the ground, the floor, with her lightsabers. That cracks apart. Everyone leaves her because they're thinking like she's about to die. and her. So Darth Vader escapes. And no one knows for two years what happened with Ahsoka Tano. So Ezra, the main character of Star Wars Rebels, Two years later, finds himself in this really weird pocket dimension that has time portals that look into different parts of time. So he looks through one portal and he sees Ahsoka Tano and the floor is breaking apart and she's fighting Darth Vader. Darth Vader is leaving, trying to escape. So he grabs and pulls out Ahsoka Tano from that area and into this pocket dimension. Well, guess who else is in the pocket dimension trying to take it over to try to take over time itself? That's Emperor Palpatine. So Ezra's like, you know, getting attacked by the Emperor Palpatine's energy blasts and the force and what have you. She helps him escape and then takes on Emperor Palpatine and prevents him from taking over that pocket dimension and then escapes into another portal. And, you know, now we see her in the Mandalorian. You remember, again, this was an unexpected battle against Emperor Palpatine, possibly the most powerful being in the Star Wars universe. So when you put all this together, you think of her insane combat experience, the fact that she's one of the strongest Force users in Star Wars, and by the fact she's already taken on the most powerful beings in the Star Wars universe, it's not hard to see why she beats Dragonborn in this battle, and that is my point number three. Okay, okay, okay. I got a lot I got to put on the thing here, and I got to talk very, very quickly to do it, because she's, she's fighting Emperor Palpatine in a pocket dimension that exists in someone's mind. So This sounds like an episode of Legion that I didn't understand. Look, this sounds like a what-if... There's no, no one's mind. It sounds mind. like a what-if comic book. What if Palpatine was in a pocket dimension trying to become a Time Lord, and he fought Ahsoka Tano? I, Chan, you know, we allow crossovers. I would definitely put on the record, let's grain of salt that reference. That is an completely. episode of nope, Star Wars James Rebels. raised her not James's turn. Now, I remember in the Mandalorian, now this is approximately when we'll be fighting, is her coming uh, in the Mandalorian as sort of an older, wiser fighter. Now, she fought a spear-using non-magical magistrate who was able to hang with her pretty gosh darn well, and that's without shouts, potions, or spells. She was able just fighting alone to do it, and I would have to say Ahsoka Tano maybe doesn't get over in the Dragon Ball for that. And you said the second worst damage that Darth Vader's ever taken? Do you not remember that he had he made that high ground mistake in the prequels, and he got, like, what, his arm and his leg cut off the first time? And then later, Luke Skywalker killed him. So maybe getting a chunk of his face mask knocked off of him, sliced off him, maybe not the second worst. I think you were wildly overstating what Ahsoka Tano did to Darth Vader and also not a whim. All of these examples you have, Darth Maul, tie. General Grievous, tie. Darth Vader, she lost. So uh, I, I would just argue that as far as feats go, Dragonborn's accomplished more, done more, and Ahsoka Tano's got some good draws, but that's all she's got. That's all I have to say about that. Interesting. Was it Darth Vader? Was it Luke who killed Darth Vader or was it Emperor Palpatine who killed Darth Vader? Luke absolutely beat him to the point where he was about to die. And then Vader threw Palpatine over the railing. I don't remember Palpatine really getting in a shot. <laughs> Definitely not a shot of lightning. Force lightning, that, that is. That's fair. All right, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard three points from me. You've heard, I think, about four points from Ray. They were all great, by the way. It's now time for you to bestow your wisdom on us and tell us between Ahsoka Tano, the Dragonborn from Skyrim, who wins this matchup and how? Uh, 
Uh, okay, look, coming in, I knew very little about Ahsoka. I haven't gone through all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels yet. Mostly scattered episodes and, you know, uh, um, The Mandalorian and whatnot. Uh, I know nothing about Skyrim, so based on what I've seen here, like, uh, the Dragonborn have a lot of magic. They've got a lot of magic, most of which matches up pretty well with force powers, essentially making it a force push, if you will. Most of those, yeah. Clever. Clever. It was sitting there, and I was like, I should just leave that there. I should just let it go. And I, no, I can't do that. I would have been disappointed if you had. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It It is who I am. But on top of that, I also heard fireballs, which is something that I never seen Luke Skywalker do, and that is pretty impressive. Those potions are huge uh, because, yeah, Ahsoka Tano's got force healing, but just to be able to uh, pop down one of those in the middle of a fight seems that that's that's real big. I like that there's no cooldown on the force powers, though, so there is uh, a little bit more equity there uh, because, you know, unlike Rey, this Dragonborn can't keep shouting and shouting and shouting forever. You, you brought up a lot of things, James, that Ahsoka Tano did at 17 impressive she's a prodigy she was she had the whole universe in front of her at 17 then we miss her for a while we come back to the mid-30s and you want to tell me that she's uh that much more powerful i will tell you as someone who was a prodigy at 17 had the whole universe in front of him <laughs> here i am now that that period of time a lot of things can go wrong a lot of things could go really wrong (laughs) she could have been working in a bookstore for 12 years you don't know she could have been doing nothing with her life she could have been working uh, building commercials at a clear channel station and you know what that got her nothing nothing she ended up in the backwater somewhere i mean we saw her in the woods she probably lives there i don't know i'm just saying that uh, not saying that any of this is my own personal experience, but the twenties can be rough. Yeah, you're not projecting. Rough. Mm. Yeah. Oh boy, dragons are. I'm gonna say more impressive than Sith wins. We saw a dragon in uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, it was a crate dragon, and we saw it took an entire a village of sand people and humans and Dinjarin and who was it uh, uh, justified in the Boba Fett suit? Take down that dragon. Took a lot. <laughs> That's his official character name, by the way. I don't care. So, like, I I think that Ahsoka could possibly do that. I don't think she'd do... uh, It it looked like a task. So I don't... I I feel like taking down a whole bunch of dragons is more impressive than pulling out a draw win against Lord Sidious Murphy. I don't know whoever. But, man, I tell you what. A dragonborn... This dragonborn has no answer to any physical attacks almost whatsoever like you can argue that he's going to keep shouting so that she can't get close enough but at some point she's going to get in there and maybe uh he can take a shot or two of a lightsaber we didn't i I didn't hear much talk about a lightsaber i assume because we all know what a lightsaber does and you did sell me on the fact that she is very skilled she can hang with some of the best of them and skill with a dragon is not necessarily skill within a just an an excellent swords person with a magical sword that cuts through anything i'm sorry like there is all kinds of magic, and it's real impressive, but at the end of the day, this lightsaber is gonna take it. This lightsaber that Ahsoka Tano has is gonna defeat this Dragonborn. No question. I see your face, Ray. I... Can you just say the winner clearly? Because I just like, I like how you talk. 
The winner. Yes. The winner, Ahsoka Tano. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. The puppies have been vindicated. All is well. Out. Chan, you are you are incorrect, sir. You have gotten one devastatingly wrong. The people at home obviously upset. The people around the world marching in the streets in in outrage at, at what you have perpetrated on all of us today. Clearly, she couldn't get close enough. This is the whole point I was reaching for three straight points, Chan. She can't get close enough to use a lightsaber, and if she does, he'll get away. He'll get away, Chan. Chan? I'm sorry. Oh, I oh. can't hear you over the screams of the dying puppies in my ears. <laughs> oh, the smell. Oh, the stench. Oh. It's horrible. I and that's just right. It in the arms of For $5 a day, you can make sure that no puppies will ever be in the way of a fireball. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I feel like, you know, as I was listening to Ray's argument, the only weakness of the Dragonborn the only one that I think would have put him over the top, clearly, is the fact that the Dragonborn is actually not like Ray Stecanus. If the Dragonborn was more like Ray, I think they would have beaten Ahsoka Tano very easily. The Dragonborn makes a shout, and then they have to stop and rest. Ray Stecanus can shout, how long? For how loud? Well, that's very true. For hours right. hours at a if time. If the Dragonborn was more like Ray Stecanus... I believe Dragonborn would have won this battle. Well, this is a bitter disappointment for us all. Uh, what a way to open season three. <laughs> These are two characters that I know I've been wanting and you've been wanting to use for a Forever. long time, James. And often suggested week after week after week. Look, I know you wanted to win 95% of the matches this year. And that's still statistically possible. I will say this is a great way to start off 2021 with who would win. Great matchup. Says you. I, I think, Ray, you did great with this. Robert Clark Chan, you are the star of the show, sir. I just Thanks. feel like you are you're you're the magic. You bring the oh, magic. Please, it, no, it wasn't the Dragonborn. Oh no, it was Robert Clark Chan. <laughs> I bring the fireballs. I'm dropping dropping potion bombs. <laughs> What's really crazy about this whole thing now is I've got this uncontrollable desire to create a Jedi style character in Skyrim <laughs> and start another run. You got those honker tentacles on. Is oh, that an I'm, option? I'm finding them somewhere. Right. I'm finding something. Oh, this is this is going to go well. All right, so this was another fun fight. Robert, uh, amazing job yet again. This is why you're one of the fan favorites of who would win as a judge. Please come back sometime soon and bring us the magic one I more. I mean, you take your time, Chan. Take your time. What, what else have I got to do? I, I, I lost my 20s and 30s already. I've got nothing uh, left to live for. That's fair. So wow. That's, uh, get it. that's, uh, that's uh, I mean, Ahsoka Tano did that, not me. Yeah, right. It's Ahsoka. All right, Robert, please tell everyone where they can find you. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at 999RPMs. I've got a great little podcast called Knowing's Have the Podcast. Hear you'll, great things. You'll, you'll be comfortable. You'll be comfortable. You'll go in and you'll 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 hear Ray shouting. You'll be like, oh, I'm home. It's fantastic. And plus, there's me and Gina, so it's even better. Another podcast, AE Double Back. If, if you like uh, AEW, again, sit down. Have, have a cup of tea with us. It's a delight. Find them wherever you wherever you find podcasts. I don't know where do you where do you go for those things. I don't listen. I'm not a fan. I of like podcasts. to think of my shouting as a warm embrace. <laughs> it's like a it's like a hug. I actually am more impressed that you know you should drink tea while you watch wrestling. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, that's should, a good call. I've never done that. I think that's a great call. I mean, you, you get all riled up, right, by uh, by all the wrestling. So why don't just have a nice nice uh, uh, constant comment, just kind of like r relax you out. And watch an Orange Cassidy match. Have fun. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, Ray, listen. Well done in our very first battle of 2021. What a great way to start the year for who would win. Uh, I got to ask, how are you feeling right now? I'm a little bitterly disappointed, James. Thank you for asking. I feel like I had the perfect winning arguments. I laid them out in front of everybody, and then you just did similar to what uh, has been done in other force user battles before. And you just said, I don't know. I have a lightsaber. And our judge was bamboozled. Our judge was fooled. Our judge was easily taken in by the James magic. I will not let that happen again. Hashtag James Magic. Maybe that's a new thing. I, I, I will tell you, for, for someone who has to get back into video games, such as myself, I'm really interested in playing Skyrim. So you, oh, you've yeah. helped to sell me on Skyrim. And isn't that a victory in itself? Somehow not good enough, James. Okay. Somehow not enough for me today. <laughs> well, knowing that, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Obviously, you can check out my other show, Knowing is Half the Podcast. The G.I. Joe recap show where we talk about cartoons of the 80s, 90s, G.I. Joe and more. Never heard Robert of it. Clark Chan is, Robert Clark Chan is also on the show. So if you have some time, go give us five-star review. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Definitely worth a five-star review for sure. Because then you get to listen to Robert Clark Chan and the magic he brings. Just putting that out there. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsy. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website, of course, at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwindshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates, most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.